No excuses this time for the defense, and Kyle has to wear this one. Christian McCaffrey, an update. How much did he play and how effective was he? What's ahead? Do they have another run in them? A full review of the 49ers' loss to the Chiefs, and it was ugly. Plus, the NFC beasts, the Buccaneers and the Packers of 3-4, and four, will take you two minutes through the NFL and one for the road. Who gives Marshawn a live mic? Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. John Lund Unleashed, episode number 29. It is Monday. Hope you make it through it, October 24th, and we are here to help. By the way, I got an update. YouTube channel next week. We're working on everything. It's looking good. I'm not looking good, but uh, it's looking good. So make sure you check out the YouTube channel next week. I will give you an official date as we get closer. Unleashed with me, John Lund Barry. Sports talk drops each weekday morning by 6 a.m. Make sure you interact at John Lund Radio. Anything we talk about, I'd love to hear from you. Whether you love the pod, hate the pod, things we can do better, things are doing great. I am not uh, anti-opinion, so tell me what you think of everything at John Lund Radio. Tell all your friends about it. My day job, by the way, is uh, KNBR 680. In the Bay Area, the big blowtorch. If you're not in the Bay Area, just go to KNBR.com, and you can listen to me, John Lund, and the voice of the 49ers, Greg Pompey, each weekday from uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So make sure you check us out on KNBR. We always have a good Monday show, by the way. Uh, Joe Staley drops by each Monday, and uh, Dante Witten, the former safety, and they had the 2012 reunion for the 49ers. So uh, we're going to tell some stories about that as well. So not all is bad in the 44-23 loss, and yeah, it was ugly, and we'll get to some of the things. But the one thing to know today is I used excuses, I used injuries, as I called it an explanation. I am fond of this term if you're new to the podcast. Uh, explanations and excuses. I used it as an explanation last week. I will not use it as an excuse this week. They are still banged up, but so is everybody else in the NFL. So if you're new to the pod, as I say, uh, the leadoff leads everything off. It's the biggest story of the day. Give you a few stories after that and one for the road. Let's get it going for Monday, October 24th, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. First and goal, little flip, Hardman looking for a block, gets it. McCall Hardman is in. Touchdown, Kansas City. First down, 10th play of the drive. Hardman gets it on the sweep. Oh, Hardman's still going inside the 10, and he is in for the touchdown 25 yards from McCole Hardman his Edwards Alaire sprinting through big hole Edwards Alaire is in for the touchdown Hardman again and he's into the end zone his third of the day McCole Hardman I may have played too many of those and you may have turned off the podcast already but I wanted you to get the full breath of it back the 49ers have never given up as many as 44 points at Levi's Stadium, but they did yesterday. So let's back up to last week against Atlanta, and Atlanta looked very beatable. They lost 35-21 in Cincinnati, and they were down 21 to nothing at 14:55 of the second quarter. And I scratched my head, and I sent out a tweet at John Lund Radio that said the 49ers lost to these guys. They were bad defensively last week. They were worse this week. Now, last week, I gave them a pass. I said they're injured, and they were. They had seven defensive starters out. Atlanta had the perfect game plan. They slammed the ball right at the 49ers and went, you know what, that's going to happen. There's injuries in the league, but you can't do that 
two weeks in a row. So I called it an explanation, not an excuse, and I think it was that last week the defense was so bad. But this week, Nick Bosa was back. Uh, the defensive tackles were still out. They lost Dre Greenlaw during the game. I understand that. Shavarius Ward, though, did play. Uh, Jimmy Ward did play poorly, but did play. Uh, Talanoa Hafunga went out at, uh, at a point with a shoulder injury but came back in. So every team deals with injuries, and I can't in good conscience two weeks in a row say, well, it's just the injuries. Did they play a part? Yeah, they played a part. But were they really bad defensively? Yes. The defensive line didn't get home except for one time Nick Bosa did. Uh, they didn't put consistent pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and when you play any good quarterback in the NFL, and you know this, I'm not breaking news to you, you got to get pressure on the quarterback. It's number one. But here's the major issue for this team, and I talk about this all the time. Kyle Shanahan, when they win the turnover battle, they're 16-9 and nine in his career. When they don't, it's atrocious. And the only game that they didn't win the turnover battle, and they won this year, Carolina, and it was even, there was, no turno- there was uh, one turnover by each team, but Emmanuel Mosley took it back for a pick six, and Carolina didn't score in their turnover. So technically on the board, they were plus seven, and they scored 37 points that day. Uh, you look at all the other games, and they combine penalties, stupid plays, and, and losing the turnover battle. Chicago, penalties, lose the turnover battle. Denver, penalties, lose the turnover battle. Atlanta, lose the turnover battle. They don't win if they don't win the turnover battle. And in the history of the NFL, if you lose the turnover battle, even by one, you lose 83% of the time. But with the 49ers, for some weird reason, when they commit turnovers, and they were up 2-0 in turnovers at one point in this game, and that's when they were in the game, but they end up losing the turnover battle 3-2. to But it's 10 penalties for 80 yards. It's just special teams gaff at the start of the second half in which Kansas City gets a 55-yard kickoff return, and then Jawan Jennings, out of frustration, pushes the kick returner out of bounds, or when he's already out of bounds, and they give 15 more, so 70-yard kick return, and they get a touchdown on that drive. It's stupid play after stupid play after stupid play, and here's where you can, you can decide whether it's an excuse or an explanation for the defense. Jimmy Ward blew at least three coverages. Uh, Fred Warner blew a coverage. Shavarius Ward blew a coverage. It just seems like turnovers, penalties, and stupid mistakes are what beat the 49ers. And for some reason, they they all go together. So, in other words, they don't just turn the ball over. They turn the ball over, they commit penalties, and they commit stupid plays. Now, look, they haven't been on the field together, but you can't every week use that excuse because it's the NFL. Guys get hurt. Guys are in practice. Guys got to step up. If you get beat, if the other player is better than you, that's one thing. And that's when you can say, as an explanation, the defense is banged up because that guy can't cover this guy or this guy can't cover this guy. Jimmy Ward's a good player. Fred Warner's a good player. Shavarius Ward's a good player. The defensive line has dogs on it, and they just didn't get home. Not only did they not get home, they just didn't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. This was a complete failure. And remember, they're up 10 nothing. They get an interception on, the, on Kansas City's first possession. They're up 10 nothing. But as we all know, you can't kick field goals against Kansas City. Kansas City is scoring touchdowns. You're kicking field goals. So that's the, that's the errors in the defensive side of it. Now let's go to Jimmy Garoppolo. I like Jimmy. I'm glad that Jimmy was the backup because he's probably the best backup quarterback in the league. But I scratch my head every single week, it seems, that when they have the scripted plays and they get off to a great start, and then after that, it's like Kyle speaking a different language to Jimmy. I have no idea. First couple of drives, does great. After that, they try to implement the plan, make adjustments. It just doesn't work. And the play near the goal line is unforgivable. It's 14-13. You're down a point. 
you get the ball on a muff punt after a mistake by Jalen Moore pushes you back five yards. So instead of a Robbie Gold 51-yard field goal right before the half, it's going to be 56. They decide, no, they punt it. Sky Moore, the Chiefs, muffs the punt, one of my favorite terms. And the 49ers get it. They're down a point. They've got to at least at least get a field goal. You've got to get something. You can't. You're a veteran quarterback. You know better. The left side is overloaded. Jimmy just throws up a jump ball for some reason, like hell with it. I don't care. And they not only don't get a touchdown, they don't get anything. And to make matters worse, and this is a this is a gray area as well for me, Jeff Wilson was running what's called an arrow route, so he comes out of the backfield, kind of cuts sharply to the right, and then goes back left. And if you remember the Arizona game a few years ago in which he only played one play, caught the game-winning touchdown, and Jimmy got smoked and didn't even see it and threw it, that that's the play I'm talking about. He's wide open going through the middle. Nobody is covering Jeff Wilson. I guess Jimmy should see that play. I've never played quarterback in the NFL. I would think he would as a professional. He didn't. He tried to force it to George Kittle on National Tight Ends Day, got intercepted. It was an easy interception, and he didn't look anywhere else. And, again, that's the problem. There are good traits for Jimmy Garoppolo. He gets you in third and manageable. He's quick. He's accurate generally. You know, There's a lot of things to like about Jimmy Garoppolo. But for a veteran quarterback – he locks on guys, and it's confusing, and he doesn't look at uh, – it doesn't go through his read sometimes. Sometimes he just says, this is where I'm throwing it, and stares it down, and that's what he did, and said, to hell with it. Let's just throw it up here. At least a field goal you need there. They gave you three points. They should have given you seven points. But maybe the thing's different. Maybe it's 16-14, and it's different. Maybe it's 20-14 to 14 at the half. Maybe it's different. And then Kansas City gifted you because you left enough time on the clock. They go all the way down the field on – on third down with 11 seconds left, but no timeouts. They decide they try a Harrison Buckter 39-yard field goal, and they miss. So it's 14-13 at the half. You're in this thing, and then the play happens. The kickoff return happens 55 yards, 15 tacked on, pushed out of bounds. They score a touchdown, and now they're rolling. And they're up on you 21-13. You make it 21-16. But then the equivalent to me of the play against Atlanta in which Marcus Mariota, and it was well-documented this week, third and 12 runs for 17 at a, in a 14-14 game before the half. Mariota, they end up scoring a touchdown, make it 21-14. 49ers get the ball to start the second half. They don't score. Atlanta scores 28-14, and the game's over. The same play to me was Jarek McKinnon, the former 49er, on third and 20. And all they're trying to do here is set up for a field goal. It's 21-16 at this point. They just want to get a few yards for a field goal. What does Andy Reid do more than anybody else? Throws screen passes. What happens on third and long with a lot of teams just trying to get in field goal range or closer for their kicker? They either throw a screen or a draw. I was talking to Dennis Brown, former Super Bowl champion who does the post game with me on the 49ers radio network. And Dennis Brown <laughs> said to me before the play even got going, it's a screen or a draw here. And we all know it. Everybody's sitting in the, in the media booth going, yeah, it's a screen or a draw. Jarek McKinnon takes a screen down the left side and goes for 35 yards. I'm sitting in the booth. I'm an idiot. I know a screen's coming. They're just trying to get closer for the field goal. So instead of 24-16 and you're still within a touchdown of this thing, it's 28-16 and this thing starts spiraling out of control because not only can you not stop them, you can't score on their defense, which is head-scratching enough because you've got enough going on. So anyway... 44-23, they go a little bit of back and forth. The 49ers get one, 28-23, think they're back in the game, but then you just can't stop, stop Kansas City, and it's, and it's an embarrassment. And I give Patrick Mahomes a ton of credit. There's no Tyreek Hill, but they made more big plays 
nine explosive plays. Nine explosive plays. Impress your friends with that. Uh, the 49ers were number one in the league in yards per play defensively. They only gave up 4.2 coming into this game. They gave up 9.1 in this game. So the 49ers fall to 3-4. and four. There you go. 44-23. There is a game review. Let's talk about Christian McCaffrey next. Yeah, it felt good. You know, obviously it's a lot getting here Friday, but um, I just tried to do the best I could to learn the most I can in, in two days and get rolling. What was the challenge of just learning the, the verbiage compared to what you were used to? Yeah, just, you know, new playbook. Um, you know, all the coaches have done, you know, did a hell of a job um, preparing with me, spending extra time with me. So that's going to continue. And, just got to keep learning and doing my best to perfect this offense as quick as possible. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot, but you know, I just try to focus at one thing at a time. Just learn as many plays as possible, um, so I can go out there and do my job. But yeah, you know, it's takes what it takes. That's Christian McCaffrey, new 49ers running back. If you're under a rock, uh, they traded for Christian McCaffrey this weekend. And I'm pretty amazed. I mean, I, I don't know how all this works, but if you think about this first from a human standpoint, I understand we all think these guys are robots and it's like, you know, we, we pull them out of a locker and they play football and then we put them back in and, and then we pull them out again when we need them again. It doesn't work that way. Uh, he goes on a flight, he gets, a, he gets the Thursday night call at about 11 o'clock, gets on an 8 a.m. flight, gets to the Bay Area to Santa Clara at about 11 o'clock on Friday. Uh, walks through, didn't practice, but did go in the locker room, did meet the guys, did get the playbook. Couldn't get a playbook on the plane because you got to pass the physical first for everything to be official. So he, that was kind of wasted time in the air. But he gets to the, to the uh, locker room, meets all the guys, talks to Kyle, jam session with some of the coaches, and uh, goes through a walkthrough on Saturday, and he's playing football on Sunday. Everybody, you know, the Stanford education. I don't know about that. But 17 plays in the first half when this thing was still a game, and it was exciting. His his first plays were exciting. He had a 10-yard run, a 9-yard run, a 12-yard catch, and a 13-yard run. So in his first four touches, things are going pretty good. He played 17 plays in the first half. Like I said, 22 plays total because things got out of control and there was no reason to put him out there when he fully didn't know what was going on. So he played 28% of the offensive snaps. Again, Pressure friends, 22 plays total, 28% of the offensive snaps, 10 touches, 62 yards, and he said after the game during that press conference, I didn't play this part for you, but he said he'd learned about 20 plays, 20 plays in that in that short period of time. And I'm sure, uh, you know, a little bit of nerves going on, a little bit of, hey, I'm in red, this is weird. But uh, I was on the sidelines before the game, saw him walking around, he was meeting all the dignitaries like Jerry Rice, and it was uh, alumni day for the 2012 team, so there's some guys like that around. So, you know, it's got to be overwhelming from a personal standpoint. So for and this is what he does, and I understand that, and he's a professional. But for him to learn twenty plays and play in twenty-two plays, and to be fairly effective in those plays, I think is is pretty remarkable. Now let's move forward on this whole thing. Great, we traded all they traded all these picks for Christian McCaffrey, and you got a massive game coming up against the Rams. And we'll get into where they are right now. Fred Warner had some interesting things to say in the post game, but they're three and four. And we can play revisionist history because this is what we said at the beginning of the season. Lost to the Bears. They're not a good team. They might be the worst in the NFL. Uh, the Broncos lost again. They didn't have Mr. Unlimited Russell Wilson, but they still struggled against the Jets at home and lost. They're not a very good team. Those two losses in particular, I can't go back and say Atlanta they shouldn't have lost because they got their butts kicked by Atlanta. But at two games at least, Denver – and Chicago are games that, you know, you wanted to build those up. You want to build equity in the closet because you knew Kansas City was going to be tough. We didn't think you'd play like that 
and make all the mistakes that you made, and the defense would give up 44 points, a Levi's Stadium record. But you wanted to win those other two games so you could give yourself some leeway to lose one or two, and that didn't occur. And now you go into a Rams game, and I know what you're thinking. Last year they went 3-5 and five and they came out of this thing and they're going to be just fine. Maybe. We'll get more into that in a minute. But let me get back to Christian McCaffrey. I don't know how it's going to work this week. I don't know how quickly he can learn the breadth of the entire offense. And what I mean by that is the most important thing to coaches is not getting their quarterback killed. So we sit there and think of Christian McCaffrey as this offensive weapon, and mainly he is. He can catch it. He can run it. He can do all these different things. He has all sorts of records, 1,000-1,000 seasons like Roger Craig and and uh, Marshall Falk, he can, he can do it all. But he can't play in specific packages, think third down where he'd be very, very effective, and red zone where he'd be really, really effective. He has 51 career red zone touchdowns. I mean, the guy's a red zone machine, but he can't play in those intricate packages if he doesn't know the blocking schemes. And they're, again, they're the same all over the NFL. It's just what is it called? You've got to be on the same page. You see uh, breakdowns all the time because guys who have even been around are like, oh, was I supposed to pick up that guy? He was looping through here. They're going to do that because they're going to see McCaffrey in the backfield. They're going to say, okay, if he's blocking, you know, if he stays in, we're going to do this, this, and this. They're going to try to confuse him. So he can be an offensive weapon, and he can be that rather quickly, as we saw on Sunday against the Chiefs. But he's got to pick up some of the intricacies of the offense so that he can be in there for these key downs like red zone and third down and so forth. And he'll pick that up this week. So if he's got 20 plays down right now, and I don't, I, I, I don't know that I would call it just natural because you know how it is when you have to think in anything? I'm sure he knows the 20 plays, but he's like, oh, yeah, where am I supposed to be? Versus just like he's been in Carolina for years, so it just flows. It's, there's nothing to think about. He's just playing football. So I don't know how quickly he gets to that point. But against the Rams, if he knows 20 plays now, he needs to know 50 plays, and he needs to know all the ins and outs of those plays. He seems like a smart guy. He's a veteran. I'm sure he'll work his butt off to get to know those things, but he needs to get up to speed as quickly as possible because while I won't call this a must-win, because if you look at their schedule, there's beatable teams. And also, if you look at a schedule, it depends on when you play a team. The Rams offensively are struggling like the 49ers, and that's why the stories were out there that they were looking at Christian McCaffrey as well. And you might scratch your head and say, well, the Rams, they don't, they don't need that. But yeah, they're right where the 49ers are as far as offense is concerned. And they've got an advantage because they're off this week. So not only do they get a chance to get ready for the 49ers, they get a chance to get ready for Christian McCaffrey as well. But from a 49ers perspective, he needs to be in there on third down. He needs to be in there there in uh, red zone. And he needs to uh, be the weapon that he was brought over to be right away against the Rams. I don't know how realistic that is or how likely that is, but he can. he needs to be more than a decoy. He needs to be the starter, all due respect to Jeff Wilson. He needs to be in the slot, which he ran twice from the slot, and he just ran. I watched him in, on both plays. He just ran basically streaks to clear out a, a section. He wasn't going anywhere. They basically said, hey, just run down the field and, and take some defenders with you. So he's got to be a real threat out there. Now, one thing about the trade that I want to get off my chest that I hadn't had an opportunity to that I think is going to be interesting because we were talking about this on our show on KNBR. So you get Christian McCaffrey, who at the time – some people scratch their head and said, well, kind of, this is kind of a luxury item. Because the area of the team that has me very much concerned is the depth along the defensive line, the defensive tackles. You know this as a 49ers fan if you're listening to this podcast. They are built on defensive line and pressure. And against Kansas City, they didn't have it. And we saw what Patrick Mahomes did. Nick Bosa can only do so much that you've got to have other guys 
So I'm scratching my head, and, and Kansas City was able to run it. Atlanta was able to run it. All these teams in the league are saying, geez, you can run it on the 49ers. Well, yeah, without Eric Armstead, and I know Kinlaw hasn't lived up to lofty expectations as a 14th overall pick, but he's at least depth and can hold the point as far as the run game is concerned, and you're lacking that depth, and you don't have guys to go in there, not quality guys to go in there like you've had in the past. And I, I haven't heard this guy's name, but Indomitian Sue is sitting out there, and at least he can stop the run. 49ers defensive line coach Chris Kucerich coached him in Detroit. Maybe he wants too much money, but they don't have any assets anymore to go out and make a trade. The trade deadline's November 1st. They blew it all on Christian McCaffrey, and I'm fine with it. It's just that they need some veterans, and I don't know if Indomitian Sue, there's a handful of 30-plus-year-old defensive tackles. I don't know if any of those guys are in shape and or could play. And I also don't know how long Dre Greenlaw's out because that's a massive loss. Uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles missed a key tackle in this game. You, you've lost now from the best linebacking core in the league. You've lost two of those three guys. I don't know how long Greenlaw's out. Warner's the only one remaining. The secondary's a bit in shambles because Jimmy Ward just wasn't Jimmy Ward. And I don't know if it had to do with the club, but I don't know how realistic it is to ask Jimmy Ward, who played one play in Carolina and then hadn't played any uh, football because of a, a preseason injury to go out there and play well, he blew at least three coverages. I mean, it's just it, whether that's, hey, I haven't played a lot with Hufunga or with these other guys, and we got young corners that I haven't played a lot with, or I just haven't played a lot, whatever. They've got issues on the defense is what I'm saying is, and this team prides itself on defense and running the ball. They got an offensive weapon in Christian McCaffrey, did okay in week number one, but he's got to make a big jump, as I said, against the Rams. But defensively, there are holes because of injuries. And I'm not making excuses or explanations on this. I'm simply saying that they can't make a trade at the deadline because they got nothing left to trade. So are they going to work and try to get it in Dominican Sue? Is there some other depth pieces that they can go out and get? Is there a veteran corner that's sitting on the street or on somebody's practice squad? You know, th These are things that are going on right now where they have to shore up this defense. Offensively, I think when they get Christian McCaffrey on the same page, even though offensively this year they've, they've struggled, as has the whole league, I've told you this, year to year down about 100 touchdowns. Kansas City helped that yesterday, by the way, to boost that number up. But the whole league outside of maybe Kansas City and Buffalo are struggling and are down offensively. So they got that piece, and I'm fine with it. But defensively, they've got to find some depth because these injuries continue to crop up, and a name to watch for me is Indomitian Sioux. Next. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, every year is its own, its own year. Uh, we, yeah, we can take the experiences that we learned last year and apply it to where, where we're at right now. At the end of the day, I only look, I look at it as one game at a time, always. I, I never look ahead. I never see it for anything than what it is. You've got to look at the tape hard and correct the mistakes, come back and be, and be better. That was Fred Warner after the loss to the Chiefs, 44-23. Thanks for joining us, by the way, Unleashed with me, John Lund. I appreciate you hanging out with us. And, again, we drop the podcast every morning by 6 a.m. And then we got the YouTube channel coming up next week. we got the graphics. We're working on it, guys, behind the scenes. So uh, thanks for being patient on that. And you'll see my ugly mug probably starting uh, next week. So make sure that you, uh, that you check that out. But Fred Warner talking about last year, and somebody asked him, hey, do you have confidence? Because last year you came back from 3-5 and five and you made it to the NFC Championship game. And you heard Fred say every season is its own entity. And, and the one thing he did say, too, and I, don't, I, I heard it in the press conference because I was there, but I don't – sorry, I don't know if it was in the cut. But where Fred said, I take things one game at a time, and that's how athletes look at it, especially in the NFL. They don't think to themselves, well, we're 3-5, and five, but last year we, we did this so we have confidence. The NFC West is not running away from anybody. 
Uh, Seattle's four and three. The one scary thing about them is offensively they're good. Uh, Kenneth Walker, this rookie out of uh, Michigan State yesterday with a long run and well over 100 yards. They lost Rashad Penny, and people thought, well, what's going on? He was drafted in the second round because Penny is always hurt, and he's a really good back. So Seattle's 4-3, and three, but I don't trust him 100%. Geno Smith has had a good year to this point, but the jury is still out for me. Uh, they're waiting on an MRI in DK Metcalf, who left the field yesterday on a cart. That would be a massive loss for them, but Seattle, 4-3. and three. Uh, the Rams are off a bye, and that's going to help them against the 49ers next week. So they're 3-3. Three and three. The 49ers are 3-4, and four, and Arizona's 3-4. and four. And I've said all season long, I just don't trust Arizona. Uh, they got a lucky win against the Raiders. They hung on against a bad Carolina team, although Carolina, when we do the NFL in two minutes here in a few minutes, uh, they beat uh, Tampa Bay 21-3. to three, So they were fired up by trading Christian McCaffrey, I think, and they were extra motivated. But Arizona, to me, just doesn't have it. But having said that, you are what your record says you are, and they're 3-4, and four, just like the 49ers are 3-4. and four. And I'm sitting here scratching my head saying, hey, I think they can pull out of this if, if, if. And I'm sure they're probably saying that down in the desert as well. So my point in bringing all this up about the division is the 49ers are struggling in their ways. The Rams still haven't gotten their offense off the ground. I don't think Arizona is much. And 4-3 and three, Seattle, you still have a chance up there, although the 49ers don't play well up there. And I'm mildly surprised about what Seattle has done at 4-3. and three. But no one's going to run away with this division. This might be a 9-8 and eight kind of a division. So you didn't ask, and I know that. But it's a good time to take a look at everything. So Rams coming up next, 3-4 and four right now. So Rams coming up next on the road. That's going to be tough. Then you get the Chargers, who just this season, they've had a ton of injuries. Seattle beat them quite handily yesterday. Or ye- yeah, yesterday. So I don't think I, – I think that they're going to win that football game. You go to the Cards in Mexico City. The Cardinals always give you trouble – I don't know what it's going to be like in Mexico City. I know it's thin air. I have no idea. It, I, I have gone to the game in London. I do expect it to be kind of a neutral site. So if it's a neutral site, I think you gain from that. And I think they'll probably beat the Cardinals. I'm not a big fan. The Saints, I don't know who's going to be quarterbacking the Saints at that point. That's why it's hard to project all this stuff. Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston, I'd go with Andy Dalton. I think he's safer, but I think you can win that. And then you got the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel. They've been up and down, but they did win. Uh, yesterday they got two a back, or last night I should say they beat Pittsburgh. Uh, then you got the Bucks, and this is what I mean about when you play somebody. The Buccaneers right now are three and four, and they're coming off a 21-3 loss at Carolina, in which again I'm telling you about offense being down. The Bucks scored three points with Tom Brady. He's losing his mind again. He uh, Mike Evans dropped a sure touchdown pass in that game. So I'd like to play the Buccaneers next because they're just struggling. By that point, what six weeks from now, where are they going to be? You're at Seattle. You get the Commanders at home. You go see the Raiders, who, although they beat the Texans yesterday, they're still uh, they're two and four, and they were coming off a bye. I don't think they're very good. And then you got the Cardinals at home. So as I look at that schedule, I didn't play the win-loss game, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss that you do when the schedule first comes out. But as I looked at that thing, I called the 49ers 10 and 7, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I'm saying that because they're sitting at 3 and 4, and nothing suggests that they could go 7 and 3 the rest of the way, except for the fact that I look at the Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, Dolphins, Seattle, Commanders, Raiders, and Cardinals again. Those teams, none of those teams are dominant teams. None of those teams have been good teams, and even the Rams coming up this weekend. Now, the Rams game scares me. The Dolphins could get it together. The Bucks could get it together. I mean, look, it's a wild card schedule. I would say that I have faith in the 49ers for the very reason that Fred Warner says he doesn't look ahead. I do. I'm in the media. That's what I do. I just went over the schedule and, hmm, who could they beat? Fred Warner would never do that. He's going to say, we're playing the Rams this week, and I don't even know about the Chargers or the Cards or the Saints or the Dolphins or the Bucks. 
but that's what you and I do. You do that as a fan. I do that as a guy in the media. I look at it and I look ahead. And I see that these are all winnable games with the exception of none. I, I just I was gonna say with the exception of the best team you have probably is three and four in the Buccaneers and you get them at home. And they just haven't looked very good. Now will they come around and make a run? Yes. They're too good not to. But there's not a world beater team on your schedule. The Rams offense has been bad. The Chargers in general. The Saints are a mess. The Cardinals are a mess. The Dolphins are up and down. Uh, Seattle's four and three leading the division, but they've they lost to Atlanta at home. They've they haven't been world beaters by any means. The Raiders started out 0-4. So I looked at the schedule at one point at the beginning of the season or early in the season. I said, this thing's pretty daunting. And it could become daunting again. Teams can get hot. Teams get healthy. You know, teams, all of a sudden it clicks. It could click this weekend for the Rams like it hasn't all season long, especially against this banged-up defense. But I don't see a a daunting schedule like I once did. So I I still think the 49ers are going to be a plus 500 team at least, and that's 9-8. So does nine and eight win the NFC West? Well, based on what we're seeing so far, the Seahawks are four and three. The only team to me, there's only two, and it's obvious. The only two teams that could get on a run to me are the Rams and the 49ers. They could reel off four or five straight wins. I don't think Seattle's going to do that. I think they're going to be inconsistent all season long. They've got a lot of young guys. They have two rookie tackles, a rookie running back, a rookie corner, a rookie nickel. They have a lot of young guys. And I'm not totally sold on Geno Smith, even though He's having a hell of a lot better season than Russell Wilson is. I'm just not sold completely on Geno Smith because I've seen his career. Now, they're putting him in a position to succeed if you watch Seahawks games, and they Pete Carroll does what Pete Carroll does. They're running the football effectively. Uh, he's keeping them in third and manageables. He's keeping the turnovers down. I mean, that's the kind of things he's going to do. But in talking to people up in Seattle, he's still going to re- be replaced at the end of the season. So my point in saying all this and looking at the schedule is, yeah, yesterday was bad. And I'm not trying to be silver cloud guy on a Monday. But the 44-23 loss, there's no way around it. There's no excuses. Uh, there's only explanations and everything's bad. But the sun came up today. The 49ers are 3-4, and four, and the schedule doesn't look as daunting as it once did. And the best part is nobody's running away with the NFC West, and 9-8 and eight is probably going to win this thing. It's time for the NFL in two minutes or more. The NFL in two minutes or more. The NFC West first. The Seahawks win and have a new star in the backfield. Kenneth Walker the third. There's individual. There's Walker on first down. It's the edge. Walker down the oh, sideline. He's got the speed. Walker chugging down the sideline. Can he outrace Michael Davis? He can. <laughs> 74 yards. And Kenneth Walker may have just put it on ice for Seattle. Seattle's 4-3, and three and they lead the NFC West. DK Metcalf, though, it's an important Monday for the Seahawks. He's having an MRI to check on a knee. Break up the New York teams. The Jets are 5-2. and two. This could be your ball game. Ripping downfield. Knocked away. And that will do it. Hamler, the intended receiver. Jordan Whitehead ranging over. Robert Solomon of the crew, 16-9 over Denver. And the Giants are 6-1. They win 23-17 after holding off Jacksonville at the goal line. Daniel Jones, did he catch it? Darius Slayton has a giant touchdown. The Carolina Panthers don't need no stinking Christian McCaffrey. They beat the Buccaneers 21-3 in Charlotte. On the 17, it's Hubbard. Juba Hubbard to the end zone. Touchdown. 
The Buccaneers are three and four, and so is another power team in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they look terrible. They lose 23-21 against the Commandos on the road after this wild finish. Tunyon. Robert Tunyon flings it to Rodgers. Rodgers needs to get rid of it. That bounces, and it's picked up by a lineman in Zach Tom. Here's Toure. Samori Toure finds Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers to the 20. A flag is thrown out of bounds, and that's your ball game. The Raiders have won two in a row. Josh Jacobs goes for three touchdowns in the win over the Texans, 38 to 20. Jacobs. Jacobs up the middle, to the five, to the end zone. Touchdown, Raiders. Yes, the 49ers did lose to the Falcons. The Bengals jumped out on the Dirty Birds 21 to nothing. And Joe Burrow goes off, and the Bengals top the Falcons 35-17. For this Falcons defense. All three timeouts inside of a minute. Working the sideline, but the chase comes back inside, and he's gone. Jamar Chase, second touchdown. This one from 41 yards out. And the Sunday nighter, it was uh, to honor the 1972 undefeated Dolphins, and they love publicity anytime they could get it. This would have been a great game in the 70s. The Dolphins hold off the Steelers thanks to a late interception, 16 to 10. Kick it. Escape, thought about running, has to fire and stand to the sideline. Nick Benogany didn't come down with the second foot. Holland says review it. Line judge comes down for a conversation. It looked like one foot. And it also looked like Pickett could have run for about 20 yards on that one. Chris, he may have this. He may have this. Let's look. Monogany, one down, he got two it. down. He got yep. it. By the way, it was the 50th anniversary of the obnoxious undefeated Dolphins of 1972. They can't break out the champagne yet because the Eagles are still undefeated. They were on bye this week. And then Monday night, dud. Pats and Bears. You're going to need coffee for that. Although I do know that Eli and Peyton are returning, so we have that saving grace. They came back for the Patriots and Bears for some reason, but that's it. And that is your NFL in two minutes or more. It's time for One for the Road. I'm from, I'm from the Bay Area, but when I look around the stands and I see that these motherfuckers, ooh, I mean, these stands, how they were when we were here, that shit kind of got me on tip. Come on, ESPN, you know better. That was during the uh, Cal Washington game on ESPN on Saturday night, and they were honoring not only uh, Marshawn Lynch, but Justin Forsett, former great. Cal running backs, of course. And look, I love Marshawn. I wish they would put him on Thursday night as a commentator, not as a guy doing special features. I understand they probably don't because of that very reason, and they're not sure that they could have a dump button ready in, in time. But I would love, a, I don't know, a Manning cast, a Marshawn cast, and you can put it on HBO. I don't know. I mean, ESPN's cable. Can't ESPN say whatever they want? I don't know. They're owned by Disney. I worked for them years ago, so maybe they don't want that kind of thing hanging around them. But if, if I was a... A network and I wanted to air or could air games and I wanted to do an alternative broadcast is there a better alternative broadcast than Marshawn sitting around with a couple of friends smoke a little drinking a little a little Hennessy a little weed a little this a little that 
little commentary. I mean, I, I'd watch it. I think most people would watch it. Anyway, uh, I love Marshawn, but I'm not giving him a live mic. I'm not, <laughs> not, not having a delay if Marshawn's on. Uh, early in my career, I worked for the Utah Jazz Radio Network, and I had a live mic, and I would go into the opposing locker room. And before I would approach certain players, I would talk back. The producer could hear me, and I wasn't on the air. And I would say, we're approaching player X. And just because it comes to mind first, Charles Barkley. And for some reason, Charles Barkley didn't like a certain member of our broadcast team. And every time I'd stick a mic in there, and they have what's called a mic flag, so they know who you're representing. And I would stick that thing in there, and Charles Barkley would come off with about 10 curse words. I'd pull the bike back for a second, and I'd look at him kind of like, we good? And then, <laughs> and then I'd put it back, and, and, and Charles would would do the interview, but I always knew with Charles Barkley that we had to be in delay. And so I would tell the producer, I'm approaching Charles Barkley, get us in delay, and he put us in about a 10-second delay. There's a little system, if you're not familiar, and a little system, and, and it's not going to go live over the air, and then what they can do what's called dump that. So they dump the curse words, and then I go back in, the system resets, and I say, okay, and then I do the interview with Charles, and he just liked to do that. So I knew there were certain players who were going to curse after a game. We had to be in delay. I would tell them that. And I would imagine that ESPN probably has a lot more technology than that was 20-something years ago. Anyway, you know better, ESPN. That's not on Marshawn Lynch. It was entertaining to me. <laughs> but uh, I bet the people at ESPN who are owned by Mickey Mouse and Disney probably weren't too thrilled with that. Uh, by the way, if you didn't see it, you have to look it up because the person doing the interview is like, <laughs> you kind of see her stick her face. They're like, you can't say that word. Like you could probably, he, said it, he said a shit at the end. So you have that going on, and that's bad enough for at least ESPN. It probably is watching college football on a Saturday with your kid. But, you know, parent your kid, right? But the MF is probably the one where people went, oh, that's the one you can't say. But anyway, he did. And that's Marshawn being Marshawn. I love Marshawn. Everyone who listens to my show on KMBR knows that. But ESPN, you should know better. And that's one for the road. And that is Unleashed. Episode number 29, Monday, October 24th, 2022. I am John Lund. Remember, the YouTube channel drops next week. I'll tell you all about it and how you can get involved. Unleashed, various sports talk with me, drops each day, each weekday morning by 6 a.m. Make sure you're interacting at John Lund Radio. Tell your friends, subscribe where you get your favorite podcast. And listen to my day job, KNBR. We'll have Joe Staley on today and Dante Whitner. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific, KNBR.com, KNBR 680 in the Bay Area. We'll be better tomorrow. It's Unleashed, Barry, a sports talk with me, John Lund, on the Locked On Podcast Network.